sermons from Warren Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org. Amen. He changes everything. Let's pray, church. Lord, thank you for the fact that uh, you make a difference in a person's life. Uh, You not only change an individual, but you will change a world. And Lord, this world needs you today. Our our goal today is to celebrate our relationship with you, but also to proclaim the good news of the gospel, that you're our only hope, and that, Lord, no matter what is is furious around us and seems to be uh, the world just caving in, uh, Lord, we know that you're in in, in control, and we have a peace that passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. In his name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. We're continuing our study on prophet, priest, and the soon coming king. We have talked about uh, from Matthew, chapter 24, a couple of things. We talked about the descriptions of the time. Uh, what would be going on in Matthew 24. It talks about, uh, in verses 1 and 2, it says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Uh, And Jesus said to them, Do you not see these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And then he says in verse 3, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, and they asked him this question, Tell us, when will these things be? That's the $64 million question. When are these things going to happen, Lord? Uh, Will it be a pre-trib rapture? Will it be a post, uh, a mid-trib rapture? Will it be a post-trib rapture? Will it be... Uh, uh, a millennial coming? Will it be a post-millennial coming? Will it be a pre-millennial coming? Will it be dispensationalism? You know, how's, how are you going to come, Lord? Tell us. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then we looked at, uh, in a world of deception, we needed to be clear because it tells us in verse 5, for many will come in my name, Uh, And saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And we talked about the deception in the world and all the cults and the old cults and all the things that are out there and how uh, how that many will come preaching and proclaiming some new faith or some new religion. But folks, Jesus never changes. The gospel never changes. Jesus is the only way to be saved. But there are many out there today proclaiming false teachings. They deny the deity of the Christ or they deny his humanity, one or the other. They'll always have books that are, that are above the Bible, as we talked about then. Now today, we want to look in a world of, of devastation, be calm. I was, uh, had the chance to go deer hunting yesterday morning, so I went bow hunting for a little while and then started working at the farm 
And so I was away from phone, away from TV and all that stuff. I come in, I don't know, somewhere 7 or 7.30, somewhere like that last night. And Jan says, have you seen the news today? And I said, no, I really haven't. I've been working and uh, haven't even looked at my phone. She said, well, uh, Israel's been attacked. That Hamas has sent over 3,000 missiles into Israel. And I said, wow, even so, come Lord Jesus. That was the first thought on my mind. Listen to what, listen to what Hebrews chapter 24 and beginning in verse 6 today. We're going to look at verse 6 uh, and 7. Notice what it says. And you will hear of what? Wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Underline that. Christians, what is our world going to look like before Jesus comes? And I believe his coming will be in the rapture to take his church out. What is our world going to look like? He's describing it here for us. What's going to be happening? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm telling you what's going to happen here. But I'm still in control. For all these things must come, and underline this next phrase, but the end is not yet. He is describing for us the events of the world before his coming. So all that we've talked about here so far is he's laying the groundwork saying, don't be troubled when you hear of wars and rumors of wars. All of these things are going to happen, but don't be troubled because the end is not yet. Now notice what he says will be happening, verse 7. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. And then verse 8, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. Now he said they're the beginning of sorrows. The end is not yet. Don't be troubled. What he is saying is this world is being, the stage is being set for my coming and folks, if there's anything that ought to make the Christian joyful is to know that Jesus is coming. So don't be troubled. You know, don't let the climate alarmist out there telling you you only got 10 years to live or whatever AOC is saying now. They've changed it three or four times. Climate is not going to kill us. You know, there's a, that new religion out there now. It's called climate change. It's been around ever since the beginning of the world. Climate has changed. But now they're taking it and using it in their socialist agenda to try to, to, try to destroy uh, who we are as a nation and around the world and to, and to seize control. You see, because there's going to be and there is being put in place a one-world government, a one-world monetary system, and a one-world religious system. I believe, personally, and I don't 
know of too many people that believe this, but i am kind of been a rebel all my life anyway. But I believe this with all my heart that a part of this whole new religion will be a part of this whole new climate change, and that's the worship of the earth. Listen, it is not Mother Nature. It is Father God. In the beginning, God created. There was nothing about Mother Nature there. There's no incestual relationship there or no sexual relationship between Father God and Mother Earth. God created. It's his earth, and he will bring it to a close when he is ready. And you'll know that it's him. But that's the scene. That's the setting. What is our world going to look like before Jesus comes? You will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but in the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. Yesterday, getting the news late uh, yesterday afternoon, Hamas had attacked um, Israel. Who is Hamas? It is a terrorist group supplied with money from Iran, and Iran and Iraq is the Old Testament Persia, and Persia is one of those that the Bible tells us is going to be vastly a part of the, of, of, of the coming of destruction or try to destroy the nation of Israel. Also, we, we see that uh, not only are we having nation against nation, look at the, the guy over in North Korea, Kim Jong-un. I mean, that's a mouthful just saying his name. Kim Jong-un. Uh, what did uh, former President Trump call him? Little Rocket Man. Uh, I like that. <laughs> Little Rocket Man. Because he was shooting off some rockets, but uh, he stopped doing that because the United States stood up to him. But now, no one fears the United States now. We have a weak president and a weak government. They're more interested in social events. Do you know that we just sent six billion, not million, but billion with a B, dollars, or released it, to Iran, and then just three weeks later, what happens? They give money to Hamas, and Hamas attacks Israel. That whole area over there, their whole goal is to drive the nation of Israel into the sea and to destroy it. We're living in a time of wars and rumors of wars. Folks, Jesus is on his way. Now, you say, well, this has been going on for centuries. It sure has. But what the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 24 is that it's going to be exponentially more and more and more. Let's just talk about war here for a minute. Our conflicts. If you have an outline there, we're going to talk about it. We see the curse of war. Do you know out of the past 3,400 years... The world has only been at peace for 268 
years out of that 3,400 years. Only 8% of our history has been peaceful. 108 million people were killed in wars in the 20th century alone. Over 1 billion people have lost their lives in military conflicts in all of man's history. Now that's from an article from the New York Times of a fellow by the name of Chris Hedges. And his title of his um, article was what, what Every Person Should Know About War. And he, he wrote that in July of 2003. 3,400 years of the past 3,400 years when, when wars were started to be uh, uh, historically recorded, only 268 of those years have been peaceful. That's 8% of our history has been peaceful. Wars and rumors of war. But listen, has there ever been a time when you've heard of more war that's going on? Every news cycle, everything is about something, some war, some new event, some, some terrible catastrophic event that's taking place. C.S. Lewis, who was a great philosopher, he was an atheist, um, and he made, a, he made a major mistake. He was going to prove that Christianity and anyone who believed in the Bible was going to prove, he, go he set out to prove that the Bible was a fake and was phony and that he was going to prove it and that Christianity was, you know, just a, a crutch for people to be able to uh, lean on when they were in trouble. But he made a major mistake. You know what it was? He read the Bible. And as he read the Bible, he was the Spirit of God, began to take the Word of God and applied the Word of God to the Word of God to his atheist heart. And he began to see the, the truth and the veracity of Scripture. And then he began to understand who Jesus Christ was. And he was actually a soldier in World War I. And these are some of the words that he wrote with the impending World War II that was about to take place. So that's the setting of this quote that he says. Listen to what he says. My memories of the last war was haunted by dreams for years. We'd call that PTSD today. Military service, to be plain, includes the threat of every temporal soul. Pain and death, which is what we fear from sickness. Isolation from those we love, which is what we fear from exile. Toil under arbitrary masters, injustice and humiliation, which is what we fear from history, from, uh, from slavery. Hunger, thirst, and cold and exposure is what we fear from poverty. I'm not a pacifist, he says. If it's got to be, it's got to be. But the flesh is weak and selfish, and I think death would be much better than to live through another war. War is devastating. And then a guy by the name of John Stuart Mill wrote, 
War is an ugly thing, but not the ugliest things. The decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling, which thinks nothing worth a war, is worse. In other words, there are, I believe the Bible teaches in what uh, this truth, this teaching, this doctrine of what is called a holy, just war. He says what's worse than having war is, wor is, is, is people or society saying there's nothing worth uh, giving my life to. A man who has nothing which he cares more about than he does about his personal safety is a miserable creature who has no chance of being free unless he is made and kept so by the exertions of better men than himself. There are all those folks that are out there whining and crying and screaming and throwing a fit and, and um, marching and all this stuff. Remember, I'm a kid of the 60s and 70s. What was the, what was the make love, not war? Peace, brother, peace. And all of our great, brave soldiers who went to war when all of the hippies were screaming peace and gave their lives so that the hippies could scream peace and spit in the face of our soldiers. Those are the men and the women that understand there are some things that are worth giving your life for. That's what's made this nation great. But I am very fearful right now in the sense of where this nation's head. Do you know that I'm that in our military right now they're more concerned, they're more concerned about equity, diversity, and inclusion than they are about military readiness my personal opinion war is horrible but there let's talk about some other things what is the cause of war we, we we looked first of all here at the curse of war it's horrible there's nothing that is pretty about it but what's the cause of war i heard dr adrian rogers make a phrase one time in a sermon he preached and he says the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart did you get that just say got it did you get that got it. got it good that's where it all begins notice what james chapter one says verse one where do wars and fights come from among us is that the question we just ask all right, here's the Bible going to give you an answer. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Now, he's talking about the struggle of every individual wrestling, wrestling with, you know, doing good or doing evil or falling to temptation or an immorality and all of that. But it's the same thing. It is those, those evil desires in people's heart that causes war, that people want to triumph over others. 
Notice what Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10 says. The heart. How many, how many of you times have you ever heard, and I was watching Oprah one time. Yeah, I watched her once. And she was talking about her new guru, Eckhart Tolle, I believe is his name. And he's a new age kind of teacher. And she had rejected, she had rejected the Christian faith. And she said uh, she, did, she, would not, she would not serve a God who was a jealous God that, that caused war. You see, number one, God doesn't cause war. War comes from within us, within individuals. But what God does do is he justifies what is things that are, or, or what is good and what is and should be fought for. But number one, she was wrong about the nature of God. And then she, Eckhart Tolle was one of these new age teachers. And, you know, like uh, Joel Osteen down in Texas, you've got your best life yet. No. The Bible says you're a sinner. And the only way that you can be saved is, is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter how good you are, how much money you think you have, or how much you can attain and all the things of this world, nothing will fill that, fill that void in your heart, and nothing will take away the stain of sin in our lives. Nothing will do that. No New Age teaching, no guru preacher, nothing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's it, folks. Jesus is the answer for it all. But where does it come from? That's why the Bible says we have got to be born again. And we've got to be, have a new heart. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Those teachers say follow your heart. You better not because it will end, lead you to destruction. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, our vertical re uh, relationship with God, um, with man, between man and God, was severed by sin. And because of that, it forced a horizontal rupture as well, between man to man, person to person, from that fallen day in the Garden of Eden, forward throughout history and the pages of the Bible, it has been marked by war because of people's sinfulness. The word war occurs over 300 times in the Old Testament. Listen, Jehovah God is called the Lord of hosts on, or the Lord of armies. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 3 says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. You look at some of the great biblical characters, Saul, David, Moses, Gideon. They were all military people. Psalm 141 says, Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. The cause of war is our own sinfulness. But there are some things, as we saw from John Stuart Mill, that are worth fighting for. Then we see the course of war. It started with Adam and Eve. 
as sin came into the human race. And then what happened shortly after that? How many years? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But then we see the first murder in the Bible. Cain killed Abel, his brother, and brought the first murder into existence because of evilness in the heart. As time comes, I believe, for Jesus' return uh, to us and to take his church out, there will be an escalation of the verbiage about war. That isn't just my opinion. That was Jesus' statement here in verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. War, 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 war. You can't watch TV or listen to the news without something going on about a war. And think about this. Remarkably, he spoke those words during a time when he was living under basically relative peace. So then what is our confidence? We, we, we see the issue of our conflicts, the cause of war, We've seen the uh, curse of war, and we've seen the course of war. But what, what, where's our confidence? We hear all this stuff all the time, and our world is, is it seems to be um, in chaos. Where does our confidence come from? Matthew 24, verse 6, says this, and I told you to underline it. See that you are not troubled. Am I troubled today thinking that um, Hamas is going to take over the whole world? Nope. Are they bombing Israel? Yeah. Am I concerned? Nope. You know why? I mean, I'm concerned, I'm concerned for the people of Israel, absolutely. I'm concerned for the, uh, the cause of war, the curse of war, and all the things that comes with war, all the devastation, yes, that concerns me, humanitarian speaking. But deep in my heart, am I, am I at a point to where I'm, I'm wanting to go dig a hole somewhere and hide in it? No. You know why? Because I know Jesus is on his way. The word troubled here means to be terrified to cry aloud or to scream. See that, it, that you don't cry out loud or scream or be terrified. So how can we live in a world like we live in today and not be troubled? Well, here's the answer. It's all wrapped up in the peace that you find in God's promises. In God's presence and in God's plan. Let's look first. How can we live in a world of turmoil and trouble and not be troubled? Where's our confidence? Let's look first of all. We get peace from God's promises. Psalm 46 and verse 9 says, He makes wars, say it, cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. And cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. In other words, we don't have to fear or live in such a way that we rise up and so anxious over all this stuff that's going on. Certainly we're concerned for the devastation that it causes. 
And we've been greatly protected here. We're going to tell you something, folks. As C.S. Lewis said, there's nothing worse than war. It's basically what he said. Except not being willing to give your life for something that is worth fighting for. And those are the freedoms that we have. Do you know that the reason we have the freedoms we have here is because of brave men and women who have given their lives so that we could have the freedoms that we have? But I'm afraid those are being eroded and they're being destroyed and they're being attacked continually. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, the policies that are going forward. We are, do you know that we are having literally an invasion of the United States of America? Almost 8 million illegal aliens have come into our country illegally. Not legally. We welcome anyone who comes legally. It's what this nation was built on. But they break our laws, and they come here illegally. And it is destroying this nation's economy. And it's destroying everything that you and I will know because they're not being assimilated into the American way of life. And it's all done for political purposes. We will go all the way over to Europe and protect a border over there, but we won't protect a border, our own southern border. We have what I believe in this administration, a bunch of socialist Marxists who are doing everything they can to destroy the freedoms of this nation and the wars and the people that have died for those freedoms because they want to put into place a socialist Marxist dictatorial government where the government controls everything That, I believe, is worth fighting against. But living in this world of corruption and all the things that are going on, where does our peace come from? It comes from God's promise. Isaiah 2, 4, He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. There's coming a time, listen to this, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Do you know when that's going to happen? During the millennial reign of Christ here upon this earth. So where else do we get peace? We get peace from God's promise because we know that he's in control. We get peace also from God's presence. Notice Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemy. 
Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. Why? For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. That was a promise God gave to Israel, and I believe that promise is for us as well today. Joshua 1.9. In fact, Joshua 1.8 tells us that God is talking about the Word of God. That's where we get our source of truth and understanding and comfort and help. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have peace. And then verse 9, notice what it says. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He told Joshua as they were going in for the conquest of the land, he says, everywhere you place your foot will be yours. Isaiah 43 and verse 2, When you pass through the waters... I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. Remember, you remember the parting of the seas? When you walk through the fire, what about it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Matthew 1 and verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Just as there was that fourth man in the fire with the three Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just as they saw the fourth man, the Son of God, walking in the fire, he is with us today, and he is still in control, even though the world may be in chaos. His plan will not be thwarted. His plan will absolutely be fulfilled. In Joshua 1.5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That was a promise he gave to Joshua as they went in to conquer the land. And by the way, that is the same land that they're fighting over today. But what's the third way that we find peace? We find peace from God's plan. Peace from God's plan. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. Put two underlines under this. But the end is not yet. Must come to pass. Listen, all these events that we're hearing about and seeing and all the stuff that's going on, the Word of God tells us that they have to come to pass. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. 
You know how you can find peace in the midst of all this trouble, wars and rumors of wars? It's to know the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know him today, I'm telling you something. Listen to me. Time is short. Jesus is on his way. Gabriel is licking his lips to toot his horn. And the dead in Christ will rise, and those who are remain, those who do remain, shall be caught up together. Jesus is coming for his church. And he's coming soon. You know, a few years ago, one of my favorite songs of all the songs, I guess, that I've ever heard was a, I had a preacher friend that um, he said, um, we were all sitting around, you get a bunch of preachers around talking, you're liable to hear anything, really. And so he was talking and uh, he said, yeah, he says, my... Oh, he says, I get my, my choir to sing, the king is coming every Sunday, then I walk out and preach. That just went right over your head, didn't it? We thought that, I said, brother, you better watch yourself. You ain't the king. But listen to this song, the lyrics of this song, the king is coming. You remember that song done by the, I believe it was done by Gaither, vocal band maybe? The marketplace is empty. No more traffic in the streets. All the builders' tools are silent. There's no more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors. In the courtroom, there's no debate. Work on earth has been suspended <laughs> as the king comes through the gate. Happy faces line the hallways. Those whose lives have been redeemed. You got a happy face on this morning? Are you redeemed? Broken homes that he has mended those from prison he has set free. Little children and the aged, hand in hand, stand all aglow. Those who were crippled, broken, ruined, clad in garments white as snow. I can hear the chariots rumble. I can see the marching throng and the flurry of God's trumpets spell the end of sin and wrong. Regal robes are now unfolding. Heaven's grandstands are all in place. Heaven's choir is now assembled as they start to sing Amazing Grace. The king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. The king is coming. The king is coming, and praise God, he's coming for me. 
Can you sing that song today? Do you know that the Lord is coming for you? If you don't know, don't leave this place today. It's time to invite you to accept Christ as your Savior. If you've never been saved, never been born again, never repented of your sin, never asked Christ to come into your heart, I'm not talking about whether you're a church member or a baptized person or whether you were sprinkled as a baby. None of that stuff, all of that stuff is good, but none of it will save you. I don't care if you've never hurt anybody, never stolen anything. That will not save you. Only Jesus will save you. In repentance of your sin and coming by faith through God's wonderful grace, grace to give you the gift of eternal life and if you're willing today to open your heart admit that you're a sinner and come repent of your sin and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior the King is coming for you but if not the King is coming to destroy you and to put all enemies under his footstool you think Jesus is afraid of Kim Jong-un, the rocket man? Do you think he's afraid of Vladimir Putin, the wild, crazy man of Russia? Do you think he's afraid of Iran and all the mullahs over there? Why, in just one word, he'll wipe them out. And he will end all wars. But he wants to end that war right now that's in your heart. And the only way to end that war is to receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. That will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's his, his name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation. Run to the Father. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, if I wasn't saved today, if I was on the backside back there somewhere in this congregation, if I wasn't saved today, I'd run. Run. Don't walk. Run. Run to Jesus. He's the only one who can save. Let's sing. Stand together with me as we sing. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you want to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org.